This, this is Soccer in the Loop with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Exclusively on the Soccer Boys in St. Louis, the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Weesey, Matt Baker alongside here. It is Soccer in the Lou, our 2024 season premiere as we are knee-deep into camp. Training now has shifted to St. Louis, downtown St. Louis the last few days. Matt Baker was there yesterday, and he's with me now here on the Big 550 KTRS. Matt, good evening. Uh, Soccer season is uh, once again upon us. Good evening, Brendan. 2024 is here, and it's exciting going into preseason. We're right in between two camps, and I'm, I'm excited to get things going. Yeah, a, a ton to get into, and we'll try to cover as much as we can here tonight. And I want to start, I know you've talked about it. Um, uh, I know you guys have gotten into it on uh, on flyover, but our first chance to really chat about the Nico Joachini news, and I want to look at it from multiple perspectives here because I, I I think this is it's a complicated story for for casual fans that are getting into MLS because I think there are a lot of different angles to take, and I want to start. Matt, at, you know, from a fan's perspective here, because from a fan's perspective, you're just watching a double-digit goal scorer go out the door with nothing, nothing tangible, money coming back, obviously, but nothing tangible in return. And I feel from a, pa- a fan's perspective, it's tough to wrap their head around, wait a minute, we just lost a player for we, we essentially sold him away to another club. Give me your thoughts on you know the average city fan watching Nico go out the door. Yeah, if you take away all of the hoopla surrounding it, the money, the opportunities, what it means for city long term, if you focus on 2024 going into the season with the roster that we have now, you have to look at this as a hit. And there, there's really no other way to look at it from a perspective of, what he brought to the table in 23. You know, he, Nico Joachini's impact to St. Louis City cannot go overstated, in my opinion. He had some ups and downs like everybody throughout the season, but when we needed him, he pulled us out of certain pitfalls we were falling into. He, he helped us navigate the waters of losing Klaus, losing Leuven. He was able to find a partnership that was lasting with Klaus. He was able to take over that number nine role after a period of time when he needed to. And he, he had a career year for himself. That's, that's no hyperbole. He had a career year for himself, and he sold himself. He earned this move. But where does it leave St. Louis? You know, that the 10 goals, the, the contributions he had, the chance creations. You look at what the striker depth is for St. Louis going into the season right now, having made no moves, you, you have to see that you're, you're relying on some semi-proven talent, but at the same time, you're relying on some guys who had their own issues last year. You're looking at Sam Adeneron, who once he came back from his trip with San Antonio on loan, he did exactly what you wanted him to do with eight goals and taking over for Klaus before he returned and then providing a pretty good partnership with Klaus. If there's one, if the biggest silver lining, I think, to this is looking at how Klaus and Sam Adeneron performed together at the end of last season. There were multiple games where they were in the lineup together and there were one or more goals scored by one of the both of them. I mean, there, there were some productive games and then there were some, some games where they just went silent like the rest of the city. So that's, that's a glimmer of hope for Sam and Deneron. 
And then you look at who else might step up because the, the formations that Bradley Carnell likes to throw often have two strikers. And if that's the case, then you're looking at potentially more playing time for Caden Glover, who is a big unknown. All the talent, all the promise in the world, but none of it's proven in MLS. And so you can't go into 24 thinking we can rely on Caden Glover to pick up some of the 2,000 minutes that Nico Joachini provided. Then you start to look at who could play forward that maybe we didn't rely on last year. And you look at Nukby Thorson and you look at Rasmus Alm. Those two players have their own question marks going into 24. Health primarily for Rasmus Alm because he won't be ready to start the season. He had a surgery to repair his fourth hernia in mid-November. So his timeline, while they're ramping him up now, they've already said they're not expecting him to be 100% or ready to go at the beginning of the season. So he looks to be brought on slower. Nuki Thorson's an interesting candidate for a lot of these minutes because he can play any forward position. They were very clear when they signed him last summer. And the other thing they were very clear on is that the eye was towards this year. This isn't necessarily a make-or-break year for Nupi at all, but this move to send Nico out provides ample opportunity for Nupi Thorson. And when I asked him about this on Monday, he kind of brushed it off as if it's a full-team effort and he's looking to just take every opportunity he can, but at the same time he knows that there are others who can step up. And this team has been having the next-man-up mentality all season long, and this is just probably the biggest test to that. It's it's all I mean it's it's fascinating to see this play out right now as I think we all wondered last year Matt who could be some potential targets for a, a transfer out of city and we know it is a badge of honor to a certain extent for the club to to watch one of your guys develop here go on to what is technically a higher level. We had Chris Klein on the show last week, and 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 I asked him about that. Hey, this is this is something the the club can can sort of prop up there, right? And Chris's response wasn't as 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 bright and rosy as as maybe you would think. And, and part of that was going to and granted a team that in the Italian league could move up to Syria soon, but they're currently. Uh, a, a second division Italian league club. So in a way he said, hey, th- it's, it's not something that you can immediately prop up and say, Hey, this is great. Look at our guy that, that went to a, a second division club. How do you look at it from a perspective of it's, it's a good thing for the club to be able to prop up there that one of their guys um, went to, a league that could be perceived as higher level. Yeah, I think I think Serie B is more of a lateral move in and of itself for Nico, but it's the upside, right? It's the opportunity to be promoted, knowing that when Nico showed up, Como FC was sitting in second place, which is an automatic promotion spot. The first two teams in Serie B earn the automatic promotion, and then the next handful go into the playoffs. So it really, I think the story is yet to be written on how this is going to look for the club, and it, it will be answered come May when we know if Como earns the promotion and what contribution Nico Joachini has to that promotion fight. If it ends up a story where Nico shows up and he scores a handful of goals and he more or less leads them to promotion, or at least is a contributor to their promotion, 
then the the accolades can rain down on St. Louis City. They developed their own player who is languishing with Orlando City, developed him, sent him on to a club that used him to earn promotion. That's a that's quite the storybook that St. Louis can use to sell a lot of different ways. But if it doesn't work out that way, I think St. Louis still has a lot to tout and sell from a player perspective. This is a move that Nico Joachini, I think, wanted. He wanted to get back into Europe, ultimately, at the end of the day. He wanted the opportunity to play for a top-five team. And if reports are accurate, this is a thing that Nico Joachini was at least approached, uh, whether, you know, there's no specifics, but the rumors are that he was approached by Como, the player, and the team had the agreement, and then the two clubs began negotiating. And so for St. Louis to be a club that, remember, this is like we just talked about their tied for leading goal scorer last year, the man who carried them 2,000-plus minutes, and they're saying mid-January, just a month before we have our first competitive match, we're willing to let this player go realize his dreams and put himself, market himself, sell himself to try to earn promotion and better his career looking towards the national team. We're willing to do what's best for the player, regardless of the position it puts us in as a team going into our season, where we have three competitions, in the span of just a few months to start the year. If you're a player and you're deciding between a handful of MLS clubs, you're looking at your long-term future, maybe you're 20, 21 years old, and you could be signed as a U22, a young DP, and you're deciding between a team like St. Louis that you have this example of what they're willing to do for a player in Nico, or another club that might be more reserved and might say, oh, we'll if you don't move in December or have an agreement in December, we can't let you go. That's not the club St. Louis is, so it, it immediately has that step up from some of the other clubs and some of the other conversations that players might be engaging in. From that perspective on the ability to acquire young, very potential-heavy talent, this is absolutely a positive for St. Louis, no matter how Nico or Como progress this year. Do we Have we seen clubs in – Recent MLS memory, Matt, that have played hardball in a situation like this with their player? I think it's more of a league perspective that the hardball's been played. I know there have been, uh, for various reasons, not necessarily wanting to protect the club, but there are examples, um, Daryl DK, Jesus Ferreira, where somebody steps in and doesn't allow them to leave. From a club perspective, I think... You know, there are, there are various clubs with various reputations for selling players. Um, you know, LA Galaxy doesn't have the greatest of reputations in the past 10 or 15 years when it comes to player acquisitions and players leaving on the best of terms. But there are, there are a handful of teams, I think, that you look to as teams that may not have the players' best interest at heart in MLS across the board just historically over the past 10 or 15 years. But this is this is great for Nico, right? I mean, there's there's no other way to spin this. This is yeah. what he was looking for. Yeah, and and with Nico Joachini, this is this has to be viewed as one of the biggest opportunities that he could or would have. I don't think he had reached the point yet where he was being scouted or really had an opportunity for a Champions League, for instance, level club. And so, being realistic in his op- in his potential, his opportunities. And, you know, the dollar amount, going to Como, it's obviously the quality of life. You know, everybody's seen the pictures, I'm sure, by now of what the stadium looks like, the backdrop, the landscape, seeing the, the picturesque photos. It's just a great place to, to live. And so quality of life, potential to move up into Serie A, 
this is a this is Nico betting on himself in a lot of aspects because it's if he doesn't perform, it's it, it could mean that he ends up in Serie B and he not languishes, but he doesn't quite reach the pinnacle of what he hoped to get to. And in Como's in Como's roster, they've they've got a handful of strikers. They've continued to sign a couple more along with Nico, so they're doing everything they can as a club to provide their roster the biggest push to promotion. Now it's on Nico to really take that and, and run with it, take the opportunity that he was afforded with City last year and continue to run with that and build on himself in order to kind of control his own destiny. And you you alluded to some of the internal solutions that could, could be possible with Nico's departure. What about outside the club? I know we heard some rumors last week that maybe an incoming transfer could be possible. Do you see there being a possibility that Lutz goes, and we'll learn maybe more on that tomorrow. Lutz is scheduled to speak with the media, but do you see that as a possibility? And can we assume there's going to be some sort of Nordic flavor to the player that they go out there and maybe try and find? If you're if you're guessing and you're a betting man, a Nordic flavor may be in the cards, and that's just for who they've scouted here recently and who they have a pension for. German is an, is another viable opportunity, and Cedric Tuchard being the rumored replacement for Nico Joachini in the past couple of weeks, so much so that it was reported that St. Louis City made an offer to Hanover 96 in the two Bundesliga league for Cedric Tuchard's services. And a deal was not able to be re- reached reportedly for his services. But I would say that it's more likely than not that we do sign somebody. And that's just looking at the odds and the timeline. So knowing that if the reports are true, St. Louis City made an offer for a replacement striker. We know that they scout these things ahead long term. They have guys on their war room board. Um, I, I look at Tomas Tolan as the example on that in and of itself, saying we sold somebody, now we have to start looking. No, Luce has been looking for players to replace this type of a player probably for a year plus. Tomas Tolan has been scouted for up to a year, and that's before we even kicked the ball off. So these guys are on City's radar, and reports have St. Louis having five players that they're interested in now, in addition to Tukert. So we're, we're entering the end of January, right, Brendan? And people think of January, the January transfer window, as if you don't find a deal at the end of January, you're going to have to wait for the summer. MLS is different than that. They, they have a different primary transfer window that runs until April. It starts at the beginning, just before the season, January 20, 31st, and it runs until around April 23rd. And this primary transfer window is when you can register players in MLS. You can bring in players and register them with their ITC. What this allows St. Louis to do is be a little more articulate with who they're offering contracts to and who they really want to bring in. Lutz can still be as as picky as he needs to be and still have these conversations, but history has showed us that MLS teams often bring in players during this time period. You can look back to last year and the year before where German players, Mexican players, a lot of players from Europe still came if there was a, a particular need by a team. And so I look at... I look at January winding up as not really meaning a whole lot. We still have a few months as far as MLS ability to bring in players. I'm very interested to hear what Lutz has to say on Wednesday just by, by sheer what, he is, what he's looking for on if he's not able to bring in a player by a certain period, is he considered that time frame shut down and he wants to wait until players can be brought over for free? Because the transfer cost absolutely plays into this. 
the, the window of opportunity to bring in a player might go for the next few months. But if you're going to bring over a player in the next few months, you're going to have to pay a transfer fee versus waiting until July when the next transfer window opens and you have some contracts running out. A lot of players' contracts run out at the end of June, and so you can bring over players. You can agree to player deals in the interim and then officially bring them over for free this summer. So there's a lot of moving pieces in what he's prioritizing and also what the costs are because this two-curt rumor had the cost too high and Lutz was willing to walk away saying we're at least okay with what we have or who we can potentially get without paying that million-dollar-ish transfer fee upwards thereof. And so I looked at, at a lot of the variables that we hopefully hopefully get a bit of clarity on on Wednesday hearing from Luz and Diego. A lot more to discuss with Matt Baker here, soccer in the Lou on the Big 550 KTRS. Now more Soccer in the Lou with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Matt Baker with me. It's Soccer in the Lou on the Big 550 KTRS, our season premiere for 2024. Matt, of course, the host of Flyover Footy that you hear here. Right on the Big 550, match days once we get into the MLS season. And you'll be able to hear it. Of course, you can download his podcast in its entirety wherever you find your podcast for Flyover Footy. And Matt, you hinted at something at the start of the program tonight and something that you learned yesterday at training where Edward Leuven and Joachim Nielsen both away from the club because they're back in their respective home countries looking to get their green card. And that could have a massive impact on the shape of this roster, Matt, because it could potentially free up some international roster spots, right? Huge news. And this is where knowledge of MLS comes in handy to understand the gravity of what this truly means. It doesn't just mean that we lose Leuven and Nielsen for a week of preseason. It means that we're able to bring in more a, a wider berth of players for a lower cost. In MLS, each year teams are allowed eight international roster slots as part of their overall roster build. If you need to sign more, you have more international players signed, then you have to acquire international roster slots via trade with other teams. You're sending market value has shown to be around one hundred and fifty to two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money. This is the MLS specific money that allows you to pay more than the salary cap to buy down players' salaries against the salary cap. It just means that we can spend more money on on more players the more gam we have. That's how it boils down. And we save gam per year by players not having to take up an international roster slot. So with the current roster of St. Louis, we have nine players who are taking up international roster slots. These players don't have green cards. They're not citizens. They don't have dual nationality type things. And so with Leuven and Nielsen obtaining their green cards and not counting against international roster slots, we now have the ability to sign up to two more players internationally without acquiring these international roster slots. It saves upwards of $400,000 in GAM, and that's a transfer fee cost right there. So that, that is directly attributable to being able to sign more players by these two getting their green cards. And it's, it's a long-term move as well. Both players are signed through at least 2026. 
So you're talking about not just uh, increased ability for this season, but also the next two after this. And what that allows in the flexibility to the roster build for St. Louis City is almost incalculable. These are these roster slots, international roster slots, are worth their weight in gold. And so it's very important. And we've been we've been monitoring these for months and upwards of a year because this group, Nielsen, Leuven, along with Berkey, Klaus, Thomas Ostrak, they had arrived with City 2 back in 2022. And so they're going on a year and a half of being in St. Louis, year and a half plus, and, and it gives you a timeline of how long this process takes. You know, we had heard rumors that Delmer Pedro had his green card process an interview for last November until the team loaned him out last summer. This follows that same idea of players at this around this time frame, if, if they're wanting to for their families or for the club, and they're able to, going through this process. And, and there's off-the-field impacts, too. I mean, we're talking about the benefits to St. Louis City, but there's, there's all kinds of benefits to a player's family and what they're able to do and, and be employed in, in the United States by having green cards. So it's it, holistically. It takes care of a lot of those off-the-field worries as well. The benefits to this really cannot be overstated as well. And what it means long-term for City is nothing short of fantastic. And it's you know the, the intricacies of roster management for an MLS club, it seems like there are endless combinations, Matt, from the international players, designated players, how you manage your homegrown talent, and how you can then plug that into the club and free up money or spots, what have you. Again, again, it feels like the combinations are endless. There really are, and, and there's so many different slots and maneuvers that can occur to maximize this. And we, the, the big stories come out when you look at overall roster spends and St. Louis last year being second to last, I believe it was, in overall roster spend. That's not surprising the slightest for an expansion team because when you talk about one of the most valuable assets in MLS when it comes to roster build, you look at general allocation money, buckets of money that each team has given every year, and you earn more by transferring out players and converting some of the transfer fees like Nico Joachini directly into GAM, which you can then reinvest into your club. And it allows you to spend more than this soft salary cap. And so you, you can look at it almost like comparable to baseball or hockey in certain ways uh, where you have a salary cap and in those sports maybe you have a luxury tax where you're, you're penalized for spending over. Well, this, this league basically incentivizes you for using their specific tools to spend over the salary cap. And that's what St. Louis is able to do now in saving international roster slots, in high-dollar outward transfers, by accruing this general allocation money, saving it from spend on international slots. You're able to reinvest more of it into your team, which will directly cause you to be able to spend more on your roster. This is, this is the path that St. Louis is going to be able to follow in climbing the ranks of MLS teams that spend money on non-DP-type players, those designated players that are just a couple, two or three players that you can spend an unlimited amount on. Everybody else, you have to play within the rules. And for St. Louis to be using these mechanisms of high-dollar outbound transfers, saving international roster slots, finding free transfers into the team where you're not having to spend extra to acquire a player – these are, these are valuable mechanisms that Luce is using early and often, and we're going to see some tangible benefits of this in the next year or two, I'm sure of it. Well, I want to go back to a guy that, uh, again, we talked about getting his green card. is It's Joe Kim Nielsen, Matt, and uh, 
I feel like we did not see anywhere close to the player we thought City was bringing on uh, a year ago when it looked like he was maybe potentially going to be one of the best in the entire MLS. I mean, the, the expectations were so high, and it felt like even when we saw him on the pitch that he was nowhere near full health and the player he could possibly be. If if he's 100% healthy, Matt, who do you think we do see from uh, who is Joachim Nielsen in 2024 to St. Louis City? If he's fully healthy, uh, Joachim Nielsen is one of the top center backs in all of MLS. That's the potential that we we know he is capable of based on his time with Armenia Bielefeld, with the Swedish national team, and his development before coming to St. Louis. There's a reason that Joachim Nielsen is one of the highest paid players on this team at center back. Both him and Tim Parker are. And, and Nielsen is still at the age, he's 29 years old, where he's in the prime of his career. And if we can assume or say even just theorize that he's 100% fully healthy going into the season, then the difference that would make to the back line of St. Louis City is immense. Having him be able to uh, really track back successfully alongside Tim Parker gives Tim Parker the ability to uh, move up and knowing that Nielsen is there as kind of a speedster and a physical presence to go 1v1 in space. Nielsen has shown this. He's not a type of player that we hope to see based on projections. This is a guy who's proven at some of the top levels in the world. And what he's been able to do has been nothing short of idealistic from an MLS center back perspective. Not just St. Louis City. I think it was a coup that St. Louis was able to acquire him. It was immensely unfortunate that he was injured in the Euros, right, or the Nations League play, rather, right as he was signed. And so St. Louis never, has never had an opportunity to realize all of what we saw him do in Germany and on the, the world landscape and the world stage with Sweden. But I, I am hesitant to look at this one with the, the rose-colored glasses only because of what we saw at the back half of last season. And it, was almost, it wasn't quite a stop and a start, but here, there, after 90 minutes, after a few games, there was some inflammation. There was some rest that was required. It, it wasn't a he healed up entirely. He had surgery. He healed, and he was good to go. There were still some things. There was, there was the draining. There were the scope, the, the scope that happened at the end of the season. There's just a lot of unknowns with him on his health. And it's kind of in the same boat as Rasmus Alm on the other end of the field where you would love to mark Joachim Nilsson in as your everyday center back you can rely on to start every single big game. You know he's going to be there. But I think at this point for St. Louis City, you have to be considering your contingencies just in case. And you, you still hope, you still plan, you will still use him in that role. But if he happens to break down, if something happens to be where he, he can't go for more than two games in a row or he needs to sub out, you have to have a player ready to take his spot. And I think that's where the depth in the fullback spots have helped because you can bring back Kyle Hebert to a center back role where he was successful last year. You have Josh Yarrow, who's shown that in especially the first that he was able to last year, he can be successful. And using those two players to complement Joachim Nilsson was successful from a backline perspective last year. They're just going to need to really figure out if Nielsen is fully healthy and, and be able to project him well enough. I think that's been, if there's been a criticism of, 
St. Louis City's handling of Joachim Nilsson, it's been just frustration of the fact that, you know, he hasn't, he's been so stop and start. And whether they can do anything about that, it's just been frustrating as a fan to watch so much promise come into the club and not be able to be consistently out there. And that's what we really look for in 24 is to see more consistency from Joachim Nilsson if he's able to. I'm curious, Matt, having watched training yesterday, I, I, I think back to a comment coach made I think his first availability of the year and where we could see you know, and, and maybe it takes a lot of nuance to break this down but that we could see just you know certain changes on how he deploys his roster maybe maybe even tactically in 2024 again like super super early here and I, I don't even know if we just base it on on the the early training sessions that have been visible, but do you get a sense on any part of game day and executing um, a, a plan that you could see we, we could see different formations or or again a roster utilized differently from this club compared to what we saw in their uh, in their maiden voyage, if you will, last year. Well, I'll tell you, you're going to get nothing from Bradley Carnell on this on this topic right now because I asked him yesterday in a roundabout way because they started Brendan McSorley in the first preseason game, the third-round Super Draft pick, and I asked him about Brendan McSorley, whether he earned that, and that was a reward for his performance. And Carnell kind of shut me down in, in a joking manner that, you know, it's just not something that he has in his mind, the formations right now. It's too early to, for that, too early to talk about what they're trying to do with this roster. But I'll tell you, just looking at how they how they ran out against Nashville, the two-striker formation in both halves, it definitely seems like they're still looking to employ a bit of a 4-4-2. And the, the interesting thing to me in the second half, when they used three center backs, we saw this a couple times last year where they would either start a game, they started, I know they started at least one, maybe two games, given at the end of the season, in a three center back look. They moved that way a couple times in the second half. It was interesting to me that they Bradley Carnell wanted to go so early in a preseason by using that, and he, he attributed it to just the the people on the roster. So Josh Yarrow, Kyle Hebert, Michael Vensel, you know, Tim Parker, those kinds of players who are center backs in camp right now, and you want to get them minutes. Uh, what what I, I look forward to is what I heard from Nuki Thorson and Jabulu Blom, which isn't so much the formation, but... Both of those players were available on Monday, and when talking about some of the things that Bradley Carnell was imparting and teaching and using to grow the team this year, there seemed to be a little bit more of a focus on playing with the ball as opposed to against the ball. And that was a, a common criticism going into the back half of the season last year is that when, when teams gave St. Louis the ball, we didn't really know what to do with it. We weren't able to be productive in possession and moving the ball up the field, and really spreading out our defenses when they would bunker down. So to see and hear the players both attribute that independently as something that is a a focus point early in preseason, I think that's an exciting notion for St. Louis City fans to look forward to in the upcoming preseason games that will be televised or at least streamed this weekend, February 3rd, will be streamed on the City's app, but also as the season starts against Houston, against RSL, will St. Louis independently on their own, choose to be a little bit more possession-focused, or is this going to be 
more of a punch-counterpunch thing where they stick to their guns until they need to focus something different, and then they're able to employ some of the new facets that they learned and that they were taught and worked on in preseason. So formations are exciting to see, but uh, the, the what they're doing with the ball sounds just as interesting. I'm trying to think, Matt, have they have they streamed or aired live any of their exhibitions up until this point this weekend? Before? No, and actually, they've only had one, unfortunately, because Columbus Crew was supposed to be one of their two preseason matches in Florida, and they started preseason late after winning MLS Cup, so they had a scrimmage in Florida, they had a match against Nashville this past weekend, and then they go into California, and they play LA Galaxy this Saturday at 3 p.m. Central, and then they go to Coachella Valley Invitational, where they'll play, I believe, LAFC and the New York Red Bulls, and we know... The Galaxy game and the Red Bulls game are supposed to be streamed, but we haven't heard yet about LAFC. I'm going to let you run after this, Matt. Some uh, great stuff for us to uh, to be able to chew on here at the at uh, still the early portions of camp. But uh, one of the other big stories, of course, is that uh, Miggy Perez leaves on loan down to Birmingham, and I'm curious what we think comes out of this for Miggy. I think at the very least. The guy's getting some reps, right? I mean, he wasn't getting much at the end. Granted, had an ankle injury at, at yep. uh, in the last couple of months of city season last year. But for this guy to continue his development, he's got to be able to play. And it looks like he'll be able to do that at the uh, USL championship level. That's right. Back in December when Chris Durkin was signed, the writing was kind of on the wall that while we were bolstering the, the top-end talent and the experience in our central midfield, Miggy was kind of that odd man out, so to speak, where it was clear he wasn't going to see as many minutes as he did last season. Last season, he featured primarily due to injuries early, but yeah, the ankle injury kept him out at the end of the season, and he kind of was shut down to preserve himself. And this is a, this is a positive for Miggy. Getting minutes is the most important thing. And I've heard people ask, well, why can't he get minutes in the city system with City 2 at Next Pro? And to be honest, Brendan, the, the talent difference is, pretty significant between next pro and usl championship right now it's division two versus three the competition is more hard a lot of people say it's it's a big boys league because these are top top level teams playing without any kind of a parent club to go up to you know everybody who's playing in the usl championship is at the pinnacle of their organization and they're looking to prove themselves because usl just like mls of old is now starting to be a selling league they're looking to sell more players they have more eyes on them so maybe he's going up against some top talent here and the opportunity appears to be there from what we can see. Birmingham Legion played Atlanta United in a preseason match this past weekend. Miggy Perez featured pretty heavily. In fact, he had an uh, opportunity on net playing in somewhat of a more attacking midfield role. He, he is expected, from what I understand, to either play in a double pivot of sorts or move up to the eight. But he, he looks to be patrolling that midfield with a lot of excitement and upside that Birmingham Legion analysts have for him. So... Seeing him get minutes is a positive. Seeing him get minutes in uh, in a way that develops his abilities in the midfield is only going to be a benefit for St. Louis City in the long term. And the biggest thing probably for the club is the ability to recall him during the season. Just like Sam Adeneron, if they sustain injuries, if they have a long-term need to fill in, where Miggy's going to be able to come back here and get minutes, they can pull the trigger just like they did with Sam last year. Matt Baker with us. Fly Over Footy podcast, of course, can be heard here on the Big 550 KTRS. Matt, what do you guys have cooking now in the near term? Are you guys back on a regular schedule? 
every week. We stream Thursday nights on YouTube. Just search Flyover Footy, and the podcast is out every Friday morning. This week right now, we're looking at just what's happened this week, talking about Nielsen, Eddie Leuven. Nicholas Dewar is here in St. Louis, new left backs. We're going to be deep diving into him, talking about some news from the Lutz and Diego press conference, anything else we learned from Bradley on Thursday. And then it starts uh, the next few weeks with some season previews, starting to look into CONCACAF Champions Cup, the MLS season, a lot of exciting things that we're going to be focusing on to start the season and get going. Great to be back, Matt. I'll uh, look forward to seeing you down at City over the next couple of days and appreciate uh, the partnership, man. It's uh, great to be talking soccer with you again. Looking forward to it, Brennan. Thanks, and it's good to be back. Soccer in the Lou. Wrapping up the show, coming up after this on the Big 550. Now more Soccer in the Lou with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. All right, tying a bow around this season premiere of Soccer in the Lou on the Big 550 KTRS. And a, a, a busy week is going to continue, so we're going to have much more coming up on Soccer Weekly Friday night at 6, because as we alluded to with Matt, we've got a Lutz and Diego Gigliani press conference tomorrow. And that the window City gave us would indicate that this is going to be a long and detailed, at least potentially long and detailed press conference down um, in downtown St. Louis at the training facility. Actually, I think the uh, press conference will be held at City Park, and the last time we had this kind of availability was with Lutz and Bradley, and they went into great detail, a press conference that uh, lasted anywhere between 30 and 40 minutes, I think, uh, when when it was all said and done. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's expected to, it's expected to shine a, a light on, shed some light anyway, on what is going to be done here with with the with the transfer window, I, I I'm good at not calling it the transfer portal. Of course, that's that's college football and college basketball, but it, it continues to be on the brain. But a different kind of scenario. But again, with Nico having gone gone to the Italian Serie B, man, there is there is a lot of interest on on whether or not. That can be filled through the transfer window right now. And it's something Matt talked about earlier in the show. If you missed that, you can go back and listen on demand on the KTRS app. Or if you find all of our shows in podcast form on on Apple, on your Apple podcast, you can find it all right there as well. But that's tomorrow. I think Bradley is going to be available on Thursday, so we'll have a lot of that coverage and a lot of that uh, media for you on Friday night's Soccer Weekly here on the Big 550 KTRS. And if you're interested in tickets, first of all, I always say if you haven't been down there yet, find a way to go to a City 2 game because they're a lot easier to get tickets for those matches. But we've got... Uh, a limited number of tickets that are going to be made uh, made available for the club's 17 regular season MLS home games. 
And to kind of break it down here on Tuesday, February 6th at 10 a.m., season ticket member single match tickets, uh, the presale begins for, again, if you're a season ticket holder, February 6th at noon, My City Plus members will have single match ticket presale uh, happening, and you've got to sign up for My City Plus by February 5th to receive presale access. Thursday, February 9th, and this starts at 11:59 p.m. Season ticket members and My City Plus member presale comes to an end February 9th at this must be February 10th at 10 a.m. Single match tickets on sale to the general public. So again, it looks like they will be very limited and more than likely they will go very, very quickly. But those are some of the dates to keep in mind if you're looking to buy tickets. And if you're not a part of the My City Plus or a season ticket holder, the general public will be on Friday. I think that's February the 10th. The release says the 9th. But, um, no, it is Friday. That is Friday the 9th. Thursday the 8th at 1159 is when the uh, pre-sale ends for My City Plus and season ticket holders. A lot more to dig through coming up again Friday night, 6 o'clock. Mark Moser will be with me, St. Louis Soccer Weekly, here on the Big 550 KTRS. Appreciate all of Matt Baker's great insight tonight. I'm Brendan saying so long for now. Martin tomorrow at 6. Then Mizzou Basketball, big sports show blown out tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Mizzou hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. Enjoy the rest of your evening, folks, here on the Big 550 KTRS.